Welcome to the show. This week's guest comes to us uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He's a dreamboat. And he's got a new single out. It's Dynamite. You've got to hear this song. Hi, Jason Blaine. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're holding up okay. Is Scotty there with you? I'm here. How's it going, dude? Hey, bud. Good. Good. Yeah, we're holding up all right. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. show. The show. the show, that's right. And uh, yeah, uh, Jason, you recently celebrated a birthday, a big birthday too, so uh, happy belated. Oh my gosh, thank you very much. Did you guys see the fun uh, Instagram posts we were doing? Yeah, no, that looked amazing. And I was going to ask you, like, uh, what does celebrating a birthday during COVID look like? And it looks like yours was just A-OK. You know what? Honestly, it was great. It was great. I, I was super bummed, if I'm being honest. I turned the big four row for anybody who's tuning in up there and uh you know it came i cannot believe uh how quickly uh 40 came around for me but it's all good it's all good i'm, I'm in a great great place in life and, and um you know happy happy to be here but i was i was looking forward to doing something epic you know I, for years you think about you know when i turn 40 i'm gonna go to vegas and blow it out or do something <laughs> amazing you know you know just get together with friends at the very least and have a hell of a party you know and then and then enter global pandemic to right. ruin my birthday because it's all about me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Then here's what you can do. You can just say that you turn 29 again, and then when all of this is over, you can just, like, let loose. Make it a blowout for 41. Right, right. Well, I thought I was just going to skip the birthday altogether, but I had an amazing day uh, thanks to uh, my amazing wife, Amy. She uh, surprised me. Her and the kids surprised me first thing in the morning. Uh, they blindfolded me and took me outside. And I, did, I couldn't see a thing and uh, took me out to the to the end of the driveway and turned me around. And I took the blindfold off and they had, uh, I guess, some company uh, had, had, you know, put signs in the middle of the night at some point uh, all over the yard. And it's on my Instagram. You can see it. It's this amazing happy birthday display. It was epic. And then uh, I thought that was good enough. And then I had a bunch of cards and stuff from friends and family. And then my wife was telling me that. We had a delivery coming at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and actually exactly at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and she needed me to come out because it was heavy. It was something heavy. And then the next thing you know, I, did, I totally didn't clue in. I saw my friend's truck coming up over the hill in our neighborhood, and I'm like, oh, oh, I know what it is. It's a grill. It's probably a new grill or something like that. And my buddy's bringing it over. And then one vehicle after another after another, and then she had organized this whole drive-by parade all my friends, and uh, it was amazing. I got all the feels. That's great, dude. So it turned out to be, you know, probably one of the most memorable birthdays ever. So um, I I know you've got uh, four kids. What is the, uh, the the challenge in your household keeping all your kids busy? Well, for luck, here in Tennessee, we are able to go outside, and you can go to the parks. You can't. Like they have most of the like all of the play equipment is all closed down. They've got it either roped off or fenced off or something like that. But you can at least go on walking trails, go on sidewalks. You can go in in the neighborhood and stuff. And we've got a a pretty sizable yard that they can get outside and play. So we're we're thankful for that. I understand there's a lot of people can't do that, um, but thank God we can get them out of the house a little bit because we would literally be going insane. If there's only so many things you can do. We've done the board games, we've done the movies, we did Jenga, we did you know all of the all of the things you can think to do 
Um, you know, but that was like in the first week and a half. You know? <laughs> so. I was um, trying to online shop at at Walmart to get my kids. My kids wanted a, a Scrabble game. So you can't find Scrabble online anywhere <laughs> right now because everybody's buying up the board games. So at least you've got some. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure that all of the board game companies are like having like record sales. You know, there's only so many things you can do, and but we've, you know, but we, I mean, I guess we're just you got to be thankful for uh, YouTube and YouTube Kids. Our kids are on YouTube a lot. I've been actually introducing my little three-year-old, uh, little Caden, to all of the vintage stuff, like the old school stuff, like Sesame Street and and Cookie Monster. He loves Cookie Monster yeah. now, and, which is great because. I find that some of the best uh, children's programming was like that good old stuff like Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and kind of good old wholesome stuff that was like, you know, goofy and, and silly for kids enough, but also educational. Cause there's a lot of there's a lot of garbage out there mm-hmm. too that's just nonsense. And, you know, Mr. Dress Up, make that one next. Yeah, Mr. Dress Up, right? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ernie Coombs, you know, I grew up on that stuff and they were great. We need we need like some characters like that, you know. They were like such good guys, you know, like Mr. Dressup and Mr. Rogers. They were like these like just good morals and values and and uh, and not super super goofy. I mean, my kid loves this this guy Blippy. Have you guys seen this character? No, Blippy, no. Please tell us what that is. <laughs> You're better off not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, truthfully, I mean, he does have some, like, it, he does do some educational things. You know, they'll, he'll do, like, trips to the, to the, uh, you know, to the zoo or, or something like that. I mean, but, but he's just a complete nut. He's so goofy. Um, but, the, which is why, like, a three year old might like him. You know? Is he a character or a guy? He's a guy that kind of acts like a cartoon. Okay. Really, I guess is how you, you'd really explain. He talks in a super high pitched voice and, it's uh, it's a little bizarre, but he's super successful. He's got like <laughs> hundreds of millions of views, and uh, just no doubt, just crushing it on on YouTube. Because you know, I guess to hold the attention span of, <laughs> you know, you probably that's probably what you got to do. I guess. Oh yeah, totally. Well, hey, Jason, big congratulations on your latest tune, "Hell of a Band." Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so proud of that song and how it came out, and can't wait for everybody to check it out. It's a great song, dude. I saw you play it at the uh, the Fender party at the CCMAs last year, and it was uh, it was a room stopper, man. You don't see a lot of songs that'll stop a room anymore. So congratulations on on writing one. That's pretty darn cool. Oh, thank you very much, Scotty, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's um, it's a song idea that I had kicking around for a while, and, and uh, just the right. The right situation uh, came up for with the right co-writers. I actually wrote that with uh, a couple of guys, uh, Joe Clemens and Jordan Reynolds. And Jordan, uh, specifically, Joe's had some cuts and stuff too as well. He's a great writer. Um, but Jordan has just had a monster uh, couple of years, I'd say, writing uh, Tequila, Dan and Shay, Speechless, Dan and Shay, 10,000 Hours, winning like uh, that 10,000 Hours song with Dan and Shay and Justin Bieber, and then winning like two Grammys for God only knows uh, the contemporary Christian song uh, that uh, King and Country um, made famous with Dolly Parton as well. And just, uh, just an incredible, he's an incredible guy, incredible writer. And um, the title in the course I had uh, pretty much done when I brought it in, I wanted to bring in a great idea and they, thankfully they loved it. And we, uh, 
we kind of tightened it up and finished the verses together. And, and we're careful not to name drop. You know, if you listen to the song, it's really about, you know, all the great musical legends and stuff that, that are here for a while and then they're gone. They leave us with this legacy of, of music. And we were careful not to name drop anybody specifically. We referenced a couple of albums and, and songs and stuff, but we didn't name drop everybody because the list obviously will always continue to get longer. Sadly, you know, recently losing like uh, legends, just giants like mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers, John Prine, John Prine. Yeah. And, uh, and for, for me, Joe Diffie was, was one of my guys in the nineties. Joe Diffie was like, you know, the soundtrack to my youth, you mm-hmm. know, along with so many other, 90s legends so that one that i was like really emotional actually when when that news came across the social media feeds i was like no man not the pickup man man i was i was the same uh, way to me like joe was so formative for me because he he straddled the line between serious and goofy so so well and that's oh yeah you know what i mean and he was a singer's singer and to lose a guy like that incredible yeah just just heartbreaking incredible like songs like i know exactly what you mean songs like john deere grain songs like pickup man the style that that he like and the twang that he you know it's just something when like about a bigger man and that guitar lick man that's just so good oh it just i mean that was just such a golden era and it was obviously where that age uh, you know where that was just our era you know it was so great for country music i don't think that it has ever been on the on the map on such a global level than the you know, I think that the 90s really started it all off with Garth and Shania and even Billy Ray Cyrus and then the whole string of uh, amazing guys like Joe Diffie and everybody. And so this this song and then, and then there's also the Canadian front, too. I mean, uh, I'm not forgetting, believe me, um, guys like Gordon Downey and Tragically Hip. I mean, that that voice, Gordon Downey's voice was just like also soundtrack to my youth. I mean, mm-hmm. such a, you know, in terms of identifiable vocal style. There's, there's just nothing like the tragically hip. And um, so that was a big one, you know, in recent years, too. But what a legacy that they left for music and, and for Canadian music specifically. So would you say that, you know, some of these names that you had mentioned that they uh, really played a part into forming who you are as an artist? It's, it's always hard to know. I don't think you can ever really know, you know, how much people influence you. You know, I think that we're influenced by probably everything we hear it all sort of gets in there somehow. Just um, there, there are people that that has influenced me more than others. Um, still, thankfully, still going, still making music. Guys like uh, Vince Gill was a huge influence on me, especially on my guitar playing. I mean, I probably wanted to be a guitar player specifically because of guys like Vince Gill and Steve Warner, and then later it became Keith Urban and Brad Paisley and these guys. You know, they were they were my guitar heroes that I idolized. Oh, also guys like, you know, Brian Adams. I mean, I'm a Brian Adams super fan from way back. I mean, just melodies and singing for days and talking about great guitar riffs and everything else. I mean, there's just nobody does it better. Nobody can nobody can write a love song, I think, better than Brian Adams, man, and, <laughs> and, or a rock song. Just, just incredible, incredible guy. I watched him sing here in Nashville for two hours, solid, as hard as he sings, without been taking a sip of water so mm. it's just like another legend still going still making records i think that those guys along with the 90s country guys probably all had a had an influence on on what i do you mentioned steve warner and you had a chance to uh do some recording with him uh, a few years ago what was that like for you oh so surreal right like so surreal i i mean i was 
way back in the day, I was ordering his CDs online and <laughs> Columbia uh, House. I was doing the same stores. thing. <laughs> yeah, some of the, honestly, yeah, Columbia House. I mean, when I was, I mean, when I was a kid living back home with my with my parents, I mean, he just posted. Steve just posted online like that. This this uh, album of his came out in like 1998. So we're 20 years ago. Is that we're talking 22 years ago? Um, this this record uh, of his came out, uh, burning the roadhouse down yeah. with long neck bottle and holes in the floor of heaven, and I'm like, oh my god, it was that long ago. That's when um, I mean I, I had a Telecaster guitar. I took the pick guard off and, and drove down to his show. He was opening up for Clint Black, and uh, actually in Canada's Wonderland at the amphitheater, mm. oh, all yeah. places. Uh, it was Clint Black and Steve Warner opening, and uh, I was just a super fan of both those guys took my pick guard and to the show on the chance I might get him to sign it. He didn't do any signing after, but I handed it to like a guitar tech or a roadie or something. And he signed the pick guard hmm. and that was good enough for me. And, and I just still, you know, went on to still be a fan and, and try and learn how to try to sing like that and play like that. And, and, uh, probably did truthfully dream of maybe getting to meet him one day. Um, but yeah, I mean, 10 gosh, it's been 10 years ago already. It was like back in 2009, uh, 2010, I uh, I got to go to his house and spend a couple of days with them and, and hearing stories upon stories about him touring around with Chet Atkins and and uh, and Garth and all these great great adventures and and then um, got to play all these different cool guitars, including one of Chet Atkins' guitars. And um, we wrote we actually wrote two songs during that time and um, and then recorded one of them, uh, uh, Home Is a Highway, um, for that. Uh, record of mine called Sweet Sundown and trading guitar solos back and forth and he sang on it too and just a complete surreal dream come true. No it was kidding. awesome. No kidding. That's amazing. And what's even cool is even today like we, we you know uh, I would say we I, I don't uh, I don't see Steve uh, you know I haven't seen him in, in quite a while and stuff I mean he's such a such a legend um, probably my own security for not insecurity for not like reaching out and still doing more stuff but um, but, uh, maybe we will this, this year. I, I, have been seeing that as I post some of my stuff online, Steve's been liking it and stuff. And that's pretty cool when you get like your heroes, like, <laughs> yeah. so like kind of following you too on, on Instagram, you know, and that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But I've had a, the opportunity to do a lot of cool things like that. Has country music always been, uh, like, did you grow up listening to country music or was this something that you kind of fell into uh, a little later in life? No, I'm a true blue, pure country kid, like right to right to the bone. I mean, I just I uh, I'm such a country kid, even to a fault, like where there's like my wife will be like, how do you not know this song? Like it'll be some song from the 90s or whatever that was huge. <laughs> and I don't know it. I'm, I'm like, I don't know like what this is. Like, I just wasn't wasn't that hip, you know, but, you know, to, to the whatever was current. I mean, I guess I did listen to some stuff. There was some stuff in the 90s that, you know, when I was in high school, like I was a I was a big Wallflowers fan, you know, the like songs like One Headlight and and uh, songs like that. But um, but it, funny enough, like whenever you listen, if you listen to a Wallflowers record, like by today's standards, they sound like a country record, don't they? Right. Yeah. You know, it sounds like a Keith Urban track or something. You know, it's just um, the similarities. But I can tell you, it's a funny story. It's like um, I was listening to my dad would have all these vinyls, and there's that's the first line of the song. Um, I remember spinning my dad's vinyls on an old Victrola growing up, hmm. and it's true. I, I was playing my dad's vinyls, and and one of the vinyls was the Eagles, 
uh, greatest hits. And so I was a really old soul of a kid. I was listening to these scratchy vinyls of uh, Hotel California and, and, you know, one of these nights and all these monster masterpieces of these Eagles records. And then uh, 1994, I was only 14, so the Eagles actually came back with the Hell Freezes Over record. And um, so I'm driving around in my car in high school listening to the Eagles and that's pretty old for, for a kid of that age in 1994 to be like listening to that, you know, record. And, mm-hmm. and then also listening to Vince Gill, which was super not cool amongst my buddies <laughs> when they're listening to, you know, Tupac literally and, you know, Biggie Small and all this like hip hop and stuff, you know, and, uh, which is, which is cool. I just, it took me, I never, I just never got into it, but I have such an appreciation for that. For, for for that music but it just wasn't my thing because there wasn't any guitars in it so you know it just were banjos <laughs> and nothing that sounded it just didn't appeal to me so but here all these years later what was really cool is that uh, you know my hero Vince Gill ends up beating Kanye West at the Grammys years later for album of the year uh, and people are going like who is this guy that beat Kanye West at the Grammys and I'm like that's my guy who now plays in the Eagles <laughs> yeah yeah so, you know, and so and people go around and pay, you know, six hundred dollars to go watch my guy play with the Eagles, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm pretty confident in the heroes that I chose. It's so interesting, man, because like the the thing I love about Vince is that he one day will be out playing with the Eagles at six hundred bucks a pop, and then the next Monday he'll be at Third and Lindsley, and you can pop in for twenty bucks and see the Time Jumpers, and it's just. I mean, you you said the word hero. I think that's the only way to describe Vince. You know, when when you can walk in. Uh, to Third and Lindsley, and Vince walks in and he sets up his own gear. You know, he doesn't have a guy doing that. He's he's in there, you know, in his in his golf attire. I, the last time I saw him, he had just gotten off a plane. He was playing in Maryland or something. He was sick, uh, and he he had sort of lost a bunch of his voice, and he was wearing these big red baggy pajama pants and a and a, just a black pullover. And you know, he walks in there and he just he looks. Uh, like he just kind of woke up and got off a plane, which was true. Uh, but then he proceeds even even sick to just absolutely slay. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he's yeah, yeah, he's unbelievable, you know. And and to watch guys yeah. like like him and and Paul Franklin and all those dudes, it's just it's it's an amazing thing. Yeah, you know, it, it it is, man. And that's what I love about living in Nashville and, and what inspired me to move here all these years ago. I mean, I would I would read the album liner notes on, on you know, who played on what and I would see those names like Paul Franklin or or uh Brett Mason or any of those guys. And a lot of these guys have played on either my demos or my records and I got to know some of them and work with some of them and over the over the years, many of them actually and um it's just wild. We uh, we've been here in Nashville for uh, 13 years, which is crazy because the time has just flown by. My my daughter, my oldest daughter, will be 14 in June, and she was three months old when we moved here wow. all those years ago. And uh, I just can't believe how fast the the time has gone. It's just uh, it's just been. I was warned about it though. Actually, Derek Rattan's sweet sweet wife Margaret. Uh, I would I used to crash on their couch. Um, 
they were among my first friends uh, that I got introduced to when I started coming here. And she, well, I think one time I actually stayed with them for a month. And I think Derek at one point was like, um, when are you going home? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I think he actually said that. Um, yeah. And uh, I just, because, because Margaret was just like, Oh honey, stay as long as you want to. You know, she was such a, such a sweet, she is such a sweet person and just had like an open door for new artists and stuff. And really, um, you know, really helped me in the early days of my career. I'd crash on their couch for like four weeks and, and, um, and yeah, it was just, uh, just incredible. I forget where I was going with that, but, um, oh, that's what Margaret told me back then that, um, she's like, oh, well, we, we'd love it if, cause I, if you'd move here, I said, I think I'm about moving. And she said, well, we'd love to have you, but be warned, this town is like a time warp and you'll wake up and it'll be 10 years in the blink of an eye. Right. And, uh, she was right. Hmm. So in in sort of your day to day now, what's taking up your time? Are you writing? Are you are you playing? Or what's what's kind of the the uh, normal day to day for Jason Blaine these days? Gosh, well, I mentioned Derek. I mean, he and I uh, wrote yesterday on over Zoom, uh, and we wrote a really cool song. Um, but um, I haven't. I've honest, honestly, I haven't been super feeling super creative. We've been spending a lot of time with the kids just hanging out at the house and I've kind of, I think I spent the first two weeks of this two and a half weeks of that, just kind of, um, just sort of entertaining the kids and, and, um, and, um, just watching Netflix and just hanging out with the fam really. Um, I've been doing some, um, live stream, uh, events on, um, uh, I did three or four of those. Um, that's been a lot of fun. I've been doing a bunch of, media and, and radio and stuff like this too uh sporadically throughout the, throughout the time but when you have four kids and they're just kind of constantly tugging on you to you just go out and play in the yard or or go on a bike ride or or whatever honestly i don't even know how the, the days just sort of fly by mm-hmm. um they've all been i don't know it all feels like one big long weekend in, in a weird way yep. what's going to be the first thing that you do once self-isolation is over I want to have a big old cookout with friends and have as many people over to the house as I can and uh, have a, have a bonfire in the backyard and drinks and kicky torches. And we're going <laughs> to grill out, and hang out and uh, hopefully, you know, Uber will be back in action. Everybody can Uber home safely and, uh, or still crash over, you know, whatever, just, I'm just looking forward to, you know, getting together with friends, right? It's not, not like we ever really took it for granted, but, you know, it, you, you do. It's just always, you know, when you can always get together with friends, you never imagine not being able to get together with all of your friends, you know? That's so crazy. No, that's a great answer. I think a lot of us are going to, uh, yeah, welcome our friends with open arms. And, hey, so if you're having your friends over, remember you've got to pay it forward and let people crash on your couch now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know the the crazy thing is we uh, we don't have a with four kids we we uh, I mean we have a big house four bedrooms but not a lot of extra space but folks are welcome to set up a crash a couch or an air mattress I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that next time in uh, I'm uh, I'm in Nashville <laughs> I'll drop into Hendersonville um, we, we always have a couch <laughs> perfect uh, so I wanted to to talk about your tune dance with my daughter. This is a song that you wrote for your girls and actually became the most streamed and viewed song of your career. How cool is that? Because it was kind of a, uh, it wasn't meant to be, you know, a single release, right? 
Well, you know, we we did try to build a radio with it, and, and we got about half the stations on it at the at the time. I think we was we sort of victims of, you know, the the era. I mean, had it had it been a few years ago in the era of they don't make them like that anymore. Just a couple of years earlier, it might have charted better on radio or something. But we were right at the height of, you know, cool Florida Georgia Line stuff and Sam Hunt stuff. It's just you know jamming, and I I know it's kind of a ballad song, and those are always hard at radio, but. Um, but you know, some, sometimes songs just live live their own life, you know. And it's it's one of those things. And I thank you very much for asking about it because it's part of the reason why I always gravitated to country music. Because for me, country music was always about life mm-hmm. and all all sides of life. I mean, I, I literally I've got "Dance with My Daughter" and then I've got a song out right now called "Drink Too Much," and. <laughs> No, and sometimes I get forced to explain. Well, am I this guy or that guy? And I'm like, well, I'm both guys. You're both guys. I'm both. I'm both guys. I mean, I love my kids, and I like to have drinks with my friends. Um, so, I think that that's most. I don't know about any about you all, but mo- that's like all of my friends. So, <laughs> so, you know, so that and that's country music for me. The, all of my heroes, you know, uh, were were Alan Jackson, and Alan Jackson might might sing uh, about a good time song or or Chattahoochee or or uh, whatever, or, or Brooks and Dunn might sing a honky tonk song, but also have a song about about marriage or their family. And Garth would be the same, and um, that's what I loved about country. So for me, I mean, as long as it's real and it's a real emotion, dance with my daughter. I mean, I just that came from an honest place. I was out at a father-daughter dance um, years ago, first time, and I, and I just it just hit me that there wasn't a lot of songs like that. Um, that you know, Martina McBride had one, and um, and and Luther Vandross had one, but specifically from dads to to their daughters. So I just wrote it by myself one night. We shot this video, and and that's my girls in the video, and and a bunch of our friends here from Hendersonville. And um, now to see it with as many millions of views as it has and, and um, young ladies have used it for their wedding song, um, it just it's just really cool, man, um, to see that it had that sort of raw connection with people, which is just why we do music in the first place. You mentioned um, sort of the two sides of Jason Blaine, and I think uh, from where I'm sitting at least, the common thread is, is craft. That's one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is that you've been about the craft. So are you chasing what might be popular at radio? Like you just mentioned the Florida Georgia Line thing and you were putting out a song like Dance With My Daughter at that time. Do you kind of just march to the beat of your own drum in that way or are you chasing trends or how are you approaching it, Jason? Well, I, I guess I've, I'm lucky enough to have been an artist that has had singles on the radio for 10 plus years and I've had a lot of things work. Thankfully, I've had a lot of things. I've had more things work than fail. You know, and uh, and sometimes the two things meet in in terms of the art and commerce, like where they both where they both line up, and it's a beautiful thing that's been that I haven't always been able to pull off, but I was able to pull it off with a song like "They Don't Make Them Like That Anymore," yep. which which is just probably one of my career songs that maybe I'm known for, and again, the, an honest video and an honest song just about about my, my grandparents' story that I wrote with Derek Latan and um, people seemed to really connect with. And then radio also played it, and it just became this thing and led us to Song of the Year at the CCMAs that year, and uh, which was incredible. And, um, you know, you try to 
you know, you, you hope that you might be able to recreate that again and then dance with my daughter a couple of years later and then release that song and maybe hope for that again. And, and sometimes that kind of lightning just doesn't strike twice in terms of like radio play. But, but then, you know, clearly the fans spoke for themselves whenever, because you can't manipulate those streaming numbers or those YouTube views. People still um, gravitate to things with heart and emotions and things that feel real to them. Um, but there's been other times too, where I've just been, 100% chasing a, just a hit, just something that sounds like fun and would sound great coming out of radio speakers. And I guess I would point to songs like like Countryside or Rocket Country Girl or Friends of Mine or Spotlight. Any of those songs um, were just like, you know, our, our attempt just to make, just to create a, a fun hit song. And, and those all worked big time for us. We're very thankful for it. Uh, so you're a pretty pretty great guitar player. How much of the guitar work on your records is you, and how much of it is session dudes? I usually play uh, the majority of the solos on stuff. Um, whenever we're tracking stuff, um, I, uh, I've never been out on the floor uh, while it's going down. I, I leave that to those, to those guys because I love their creative ideas. I love, um, plus they're insanely good to play mm -hmm. with the core band unit. And it allows me to stay on the other side of the console and just kind of get an overall picture of the song uh, and if it's shaping up the way I, I want it to or not and, and kind of direct and kind of be the, the director of the whole thing um, and, and get some ideas going. And plus, they're so proficient uh, to deliver quickly what I what I need done. Um, so, so I often let those session guys, um, uh, be a part of that main band unit and then I'll go back and I'll overdub stuff and play solos. Cool. Um, I've played a lot of the solos, uh, on things over the years and, and then sometimes, uh, the, the guys have, have done it on the fly on the floor and I've just kept it cause I've just loved what they've done. Right. So for the guitar nerds out there, who are some of the guys that you're using in the studio? Over the years, um, Jeff King uh, has been a, a, a big part of a lot of my records. Uh, he's incredible. He's on They Don't Make Them Like That Anymore, um, Cool, Night Like This, all that stuff. Um, JT Kornfloss, uh, is and, and Adam Schoenfeld, they're, those two guys are on um, big time on um, the Countryside album. Um, and Adam Schoenfeld is on the majority. I think he was, in fact, he might have been the only guitar player on uh, other than me. Um, on the um, Everything I Love album, which had um, Friends of Mine and, and Rocket Country Girl on it and those songs. So, yeah, it, um, and, you know, if you want to hear my guitar playing, uh, it's it's on the uh, the current thing that we just put out today, Hell of a Band in Heaven. Uh, that's me on the guitar solo on that one. Nice. So being that, uh, you know, you are... Um older and wiser now, Jason. What would you tell yourself uh, back when you first started playing music professionally? What's a, a piece of advice that you would give yourself that you've lived it and learned it? Oh my gosh. How long is this show? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got all the time in the world, buddy. Oh gosh. I, I, uh, let's, well, let's just start with the hair. I mean, maybe I would, I would probably say wear a cowboy hat just from, from just be done, just be done with it or put a ball cap on, turn it around backwards and, and stop screwing around with your, with your hair at the mess. <laughs> maybe we, we had to start there. I mean, at one point my hair was just so big and blonde and curly. At some point I tried to straighten it out and oh, good Lord. No, <laughs> but, uh, and there would be so much I would tell, uh, a young me, um, so, so, so much. Um, 
but I think that um, I think um, I think especially with songs, I think um, I, and what I would tell young artists, uh, I got great advice given to me even even very recently. Um, I think you tell your story through songs, and I started to actually get this halfway through my. Uh, through my career, several years in, um, that you really define your narrative through your music. I mean, people people get to know you through the kind of music that you put out. And I don't think that I really got that as much whenever I first started out. You're just hungry for a hit, right? Mm -hmm. You're just like starving and you have no money and you're just like, you got a little baby and you got a mouth to feed. And so like my first single was a song called Rockin' My Boot. And for years it was just like, you know, tell us about, you know, rocking my boot. And it was just like, Oh, you're the rocking my boot guy. And, <laughs> and it's just like, I'm so much more than that one song. You have no idea. I've got so much more to say musically. And, but you might not get another song. You know I mean, I'm, you might not, gosh, thank God I wasn't, you know, a one hit wonder, you know, because often it really gives you an appreciation for one hit wonders. I mean, I'm proud of that song and, 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 and the friends that I wrote it with, and it bought me my first house. But it was like for years, it was like I would do radio interviews and, and you'd hear them sort of teeing it up. And they'd be like, they'd be like, all right, up next, we got Jason Blaine. We're going to find out if he still has a rock in his boot. <laughs> oh, that sounds so bad. Was that a Noah Gordon song? <laughs> it was. It was me and Noah Gordon and Phil O'Donnell. And gosh, those guys have all written amazing songs, Phil Billy especially. And, mm -hmm. and that was like one of you know, like one of the first things we ever wrote when we went to town, it just turned out so well and sounded so good. Um, and it, and it became my first number one. And even the, the Hunter boys just brought it up. We were just writing with the Hunter brothers, um, before all of this craziness started. And you know, those boys brought that song up to me. They're like, they're like that song, you're rocking my boots song. That was on our radio station in Saskatchewan. And that was our jam for years. We loved it. So and I'm like, Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Where did that lick come from? That was Phil Billy in the room that day. We call him Phil Billy. That's his nickname, Phil O'Donnell. He started playing that. I just thought it was so cool, and he, that's him on the record. And it took me forever to learn how to play that live so I could recreate it. Um, but uh, it's such a cool guitar riff. And, and Noah, I think Noah had the title. And we, I, and then the three of us, we just kind of shaped that song up. And it was a, it was, it's a jammer. It was sure fun to fun to play and sometimes i throw it back into the live show too because i mean that was for for from gosh 2007 um to, to 2008 9 that, that was like my you know we either we closed the show but that was the big song you know and but i think you you, you really um I, at one point i i was like reading you know looking at my own career and going like man if i got hit by a bus tomorrow i want songs with more a little more depth from but just put put something else out into the world, and then you could see in my career that you know I started writing songs about you know life and like songs like they don't make them like that anymore and cool and even as recently as my song called Born to Love in 2017, um, you know just trying to trying to make a mark. You know and you get an opportunity when for for a short amount of time, you know where you can where you know you hope that people are paying attention and radio is playing your music and you want to you know, put something out there into the world. Not to say you can't have fun songs, too. you got to have those. I mean, um, but you just try to, I don't know, paint a, a full picture, I guess, and have a, a, a well-balanced career. Like like all my art artist heroes, I mean, even today, like guys like Blake Shelton, you know, still put out a, 
a serious song and then it's just a goofy song, you know? <laughs> that's country music, man. It is, and that comes right back to the beginning of our conversation talking about Joe Diffie. Totally. I mean, you can have these beautiful ballads like Ships That Don't Come In and then Pick Up Man. I mean, it's just... You can't, if you were serious all the time, you'd be bored to tears, right? Absolutely. <laughs> all right, Jason, we've got a segment on this show called Turn Us On. This is where we ask you to turn us on to something that you've discovered that you can't live without. Could be a Netflix series. It could be uh, could be a song. could be an artist. It uh, could be a book. It could be a board game that you're playing with your kids. What have you discovered that uh, that we've got to know about? Let's see. Book. I'll start with, I'll start with a book. In recent years... Um, for, for mainly for guys out there. I don't know that much girls would be interested in this, but if you're a young man out there, I've discovered this Canadian author, Jordan Peterson, who I just think is absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, so I've just been, I've consumed way too many hours of, of YouTube videos and talks from, from him, and I've read his book, and I think that that's pretty pretty cool. I mean, it's I guess in a nutshell, his, his thing is to like kind of like his message to to young guys is never never gets old it's kind of you know take responsibility and and turn in towards your uh, everything that's good and true and 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 positive uh in in the world and so you can never get tired of hearing that message as a as a husband and father it's like just like do good be good work hard you know do your best and care for everybody that's the message cool. so uh, and it goes way deeper than that so i that would be a book that i would that I would say. I mean, shows, my wife and I are heavy right now into Ozark. Are yeah. you guys watching Ozark? I need to, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I've I, been told by several people I need to start watching that. It's incredible. I haven't seen season three yet, but it's dynamite. You know, they kind of, the two sort of go hand in hand. And what, what's interesting, in, in the Jordan Peterson book, he talks about, um, like, why are we so, why are we interested in watching dark things? Like, why would you ever watch a horror movie? Or right. why would you watch something like, why would you go to that place? Because that place actually, and his his suggestion is that psych, because he's a clinical psychologist, is that because that there are those dark things in the in the world that you don't actually have to live them. You could just kind of go there for sixty minutes on a Netflix thing on something insane to go. Oh my God, I never, would never want to go down that dark path. <laughs> right. You know, like you know, and it sort of you makes you thankful. You're like, oh, that could, you know, if you make the wrong choices in life. You know, you end up in jail like Tiger King or whatever. You know, it's like, or 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 you end up with like you like uh, uh, Marty Bird with the Mexican drug cartel after you. <laughs> you know, it just, <laughs> so, so it's just like you can kind of go there through fantasy just for a minute and just kind of be captured captured by it. And I don't think I breathe when I watch the show. Totally, totally. <laughs> what is the premise of this show? He's a money guy, and he moves to the Ozarks uh, as a result of a a deal gone bad. His partner was involved in some stuff that he wasn't aware of. Uh, so he, he's forced to move his family to the Ozarks in order to launder money. And oh, it's, okay. That sounds good. It's really cool. Sweet. It's the oldest story of all time. It's, it's the temptation. He's like just an accountant. And it's just like, all you have to do is just a little bit of work for the cartel. It can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just goes horribly wrong. You know? so, <laughs> and then you're in and you can't get out. And then musically, I, I'm a big John Mayer fan. I, I would say go check out, uh, you know, go check out Paradise Valley or Born and Raised. Those, you know, that's what I'm into. All right. So now we've got a, a list here of five questions. Don't think too hard on it and just answer uh, as quickly as you can. Okay. Okay. Song you wish you wrote. Um, uh, don't Blink. Kenny Chesney. Good call. Great tune. What's an instrument that you wish you could play? Uh, piano. 
piano. I, I, I don't play piano. What is the most embarrassing moment that you've had live on stage? Oh, <laughs> uh, slipping, falling uh, a couple yeah. of times. <laughs> and usually in the rain, I went down at least at least twice to come to mind. <laughs> yeah. I've witnessed some falls on stage, not from you specifically, but I can imagine that that sucks. <laughs> it's never good. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned Steve Warner earlier, uh, but what's another artist that you would love to collaborate with? Um, oh, heroes like I talked about earlier. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, you know, have Vince play on one of my records. That's still a goal of mine. That uh, seems seems actually within reach, you know. And I, I'd I'd write a song with Brian Adams too in a heartbeat. That would be that'd be awesome. Cool. Oh, I'd listen to that. All right, what is your proudest accomplishment so far musically? Oh. Gosh, such a tough question, Amy. <laughs> Gosh, either probably just for the song. Probably they don't make them like that anymore, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. All right. We've got one more game before we let you go. I have uh, the inner workings of my mind is strange. It's a scary place. <laughs> and and uh, I we have been playing this game called Would You Rather? And so we've got a couple of decisions for you to make here today, Jason. Okay. Would you rather eat a bar of soap or wash your hair with chocolate milk? Uh, wash my hair with chocolate milk. <laughs> wow, you answered that surprisingly fast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to taste. I don't want to taste soap. It bring bring back poor memories. Totally, <laughs> childhood memories. Right? You know what I mean? You know what yep. I'm going with that? If you said bad words in the '80s, I mean. <laughs> oh yeah, in goes the bar of dial for sure. <laughs> Would you rather grow a Joe Exotic mullet or have dinner with Carol Baskin? Um, I- I'll probably go with the mullet. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin <laughs> kind of scares me. She kind of scares me the way that she a- answered a few of those questions. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Would you rather smell through your eyeballs or taste with your ears? That is such a weird question. I know um, they're all weird. Smell through my eyeballs. I think. I think I can. I think I can smell pizza through my eyes already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the really good pizza for sure. I think we know the answer to this one. But Scotty, uh, would you rather sing with Vince Gill on the Opry stage? I feel like that's. I don't even have to yes. finish it. Uh, <laughs> or appear in a commercial with Jimmy Fallon? Uh, yeah, at the Opry stage all day long. I think that's the right answer. Jason Blaine, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Guys, thanks very much. I look forward to sharing it online. This has been fun. You guys, I consider uh, friends, and this is this is easy. It feels like just hanging out with some friends. That's the whole point, buddy. We want to give people an insight into who you guys are, and, uh, and we just so appreciate you taking some time for us today. Oh, anytime, guys. Anytime. Stay healthy. Take care. Nice to talk to that newly minted 40-year-old. <laughs> yes. Happy birthday again there, Jason. And we're glad that your day was awesome. Social media. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know it. It's at the show on the go. Make sure you send us a message, like, subscribe. We would love to hear from you. He's Scotty Kipfer. She's Amy House. Welcome to the show.